today, uh, as, as Rob wasn't able to make it, Cheryl jumped in, did a great job as our worship leader, and again, uh, we'll, be, we'll be looking for more worship leaders in the upcoming weeks as well, but uh, thank you very much for filling in for the choir, for all the musicians. Uh, there was, this has just been a season where everybody's here for a little bit longer. We've got more things to practice, so very grateful uh, for everybody who has been serving and using the gifts that the Lord has been giving you. Well, it's almost Christmas, and I know you have lots of things to do and lots of things that are on your mind, but is it okay if we just slow down for a few moments this morning, all right? We've been singing about peace, we've ever, the songs we've had, the scriptures that we've read, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about, is this broad statement that you've heard before, peace on earth. And now we're going to understand this morning exactly what that means to you. So will you join me as we begin with a word of prayer? And we're going to exhale together this Christmas season, all right? So let's pray. For Even before we pray, everybody do that. We'll do that together like a church in unison. We're all going to exhale together. You ready? One, two, three. Sometimes it feels good, Lord, just to be reminded of who we are, Uh, to recognize uh, the weight that sometimes we're carrying on our shoulders. And today, may our hearts be free to receive what you want to speak to us this morning. May we be men and women that that can take a a look through the looking glass at our life and recognize all the different things that we fight for, all the different things that we work so hard for, that in all reality don't have really anything to do with your will. And so in a moment like today, would you show us what it is that does matter, what it is that we really are here for, and what is the most significant thing in our life, and how to receive the peace on earth that you created us for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I am just going to read that last passage that Cheryl read in verse 14. You've heard that verse many times before. In Luke 2.14, the text reads, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. The title of today's message will be Peace. Peace to those on those who receive his favor. I'm going to change that up just a little bit. Um, anybody in here this morning, just curious, I'd lo- I will have scriptures on the screen, but do you, does anybody have a King James Bible this morning? Anybody happen to have an old, an old King James Bible? Well, if you don't, here's what, it, if you, if, here's what it would read in verse 2, verse 14. It would read, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. In the New American Standard, it reads, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And again, in the NIV that I just read, glory to God in the highest and on earth, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I don't like to bring these things to everybody's attention to, to, to cause confusion, so we're not going to do that. But I will state that this is a text in, in Scripture that is 
that is kind of debated, but it, it's, it's debated for some of the small things. For, so I just gave you a King James version that says goodwill towards men, and then the NIV, the NIV reads, uh, peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. All right, there is, a, there is a biblical reason, there is a translation reason for this. Many of the King James Bible, Bible come from majority texts, also called the Texas Apparatus, I believe. And the Greek word in there is udokaya, which is in the nominative sense. All that means in the nominative sense is that it is the subject of the verb. In other words, it emphasizes that peace is being distributed. Okay, the udokaya word means will, goodwill. This it's all tied into peace as well. This is what is being distributed. Okay? Now, in where many of our modern translations actually come from discoveries of Scripture that were earlier than the majority text in the Texas apparatus, and that in the Greek there, it is in the genitive case, which has a sigma, an S at the end of it. So this one then shows possession, that it emphasizes possession, that this peace, this goodwill, is something that you can possess. So those that possess God's will, those that possess God's, peace, God's will, will have peace. So there is one small little S in the Greek brings these two, whether you want to call them large or small, brings these two different translations. And I really like the way that um, the, this, this Jewish New Testament commentary puts it in verse 14. It says, this verse commences the liturgical passage known in the Western world as the Gloria. It says, people of goodwill are people whom the will of God favors and whose own wills desire what God wills. Let me say that again. People of goodwill are people whom the will of God favors and whose own wills desire what God wills. So instead of saying one translation is right and one translation is wrong, how about today, as we talk about this text, let's receive both of them because they're both biblically and theologically true. The truth is, the peace of God is being distributed. It is being distributed right now. But the other side, it is yours to receive and it is yours to possess. The peace of God is being distributed, but it is also yours to receive, and it is yours to possess. This is a declaration by an angel over 2,000 years ago, recognizing that how this message would go about into the earth. And that not only the people of the day, when, when Jesus began his ministry, but people just like you and me sitting in churches today would still have a very hard time receiving and understanding the peace that God is distributing to us because everything else in our world resists it. I want you to know this morning that the peace that you can receive from God is not something you will fight for to receive. It's not something you can work to earn. And it's not something that you're going to buy luck win in a lottery somehow that these are the lucky ones that have peace, and I'm just not one of the lucky ones. I have to work my tail off. I want to tell you, church, today, that none of these things 
are biblically true. But what is true is that the peace of God is yours to possess this morning. It is being distributed, and it is yours to receive this morning. But you must possess it. You must receive it, and you must possess it. Now, maybe I've been a little theological. Maybe I've been a little bit abstract. And so maybe for just a few moments now, I'll give you a more practical illustration, okay? We have, to, we have to sit here this morning and look at ourselves through the looking glass. That's just a metaphor that means look at ourselves through the mirror and pay attention to what's actually happening in our life. So I'm going to give you about the best, most, about the most practical illustration that I can give you, all right? I'm going to begin with our automobiles, Almost every day, all of you got, everybody that's here, you got in a car or a truck or a van and you came to church today. Now, we have to take a step back. This is going to challenge you, okay? Take a step back and remember that we have only had automobiles present for just the last century. Generations and generations before had an understanding of about how much time it takes to get from point A to point B. Today, we have the fastest way of transportation available that we get into every day. And whether we recognize that we're doing it or not, well, excuse me, we know we recognize that we do it or not, we have speed limits. How many of you, if this is confession time, come to the altar today, how many of you broke the speed limit today? Wow, you are a bunch of liars. So Joel, I understand. You walked here, so you're good. But here's the funny thing. I've really slowed down and think about this for a minute because this kind of blew my mind when I began to think of this. Why do we break the speed limit? There's usually, there's usually two simple reasons. Because we can and because everybody else does. That, that's it. It's usually that simple. Now, I heard somebody say you're in a hurry. Yes, yeah, sometimes we're in a hurry. And sometimes we get in a hurry and we expect that the semi in front of us knows exactly what's going on in our life right now. And so they will automatically pull over to the side of the road for us so we can quickly get by. And, we get, and when we're in a hurry, when we really got places to be, we can be incredibly selfish. And then when that, per, that person in front of us is just a little bit more selfish than we are, we have all kinds of fun, godly names for them that we give to them, right? And as if we're not capable of making the same mistakes driving as well. I mean, I don't know about you, but since the I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not making some new blanket statement for driving or anything today. I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of things that I'm going to have to wrestle with when I go. I'm not saying my driving habits are going to change. Uh, by the way, since the government shut down, I assume that the, the, the lights are not on, so I just drove right through all of them today. I don't know if they're on or not. I just assume. But listen, we get ourselves, we, we can get in a car and get, and even when we're not in a hurry, we start thinking about the quickest way to get from point A to point B. We know what that route is. And all of a sudden now we're trucking as fast as we can to get to that next place. Here's what's really happening is because we don't think that this moment is really truly worthy of our time. 
But there is another moment later that we need to get to that is more worthy of our time, that is more significant and more special. And so we're always, and then we start to do that with our whole lives. Everything is the next thing and the next thing. And that, well, I have to do this so that I can be present here. The Lord wants to give you a peace today that comes from being fully present in the moment. And if we look at, if we would look outside, imagine what people hundreds and just hundreds of years ago would say about us when they see us on our, with our cars and our, all of our different ways of communicating with each other. And it just makes us push ourselves harder and faster and quicker. You guys are out of your minds. What is wrong with you? This is exactly the point about the peace that God wants to give us. We do have to recognize in a place like this that there are many things that we pursue that we are so driven by that in and of themselves there is nothing wrong with them, but yet they don't have anything to do with the will of the Lord. Now, I've given you a practical illustration, so how about we go to a biblical illustration? We're going to go in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It'll be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Sorry, I wasn't John. Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Here's what it reads. I've made reference to this passage because of a recent... Uh, uh, sermon that, that I had heard and how this one just continues really to speak to me in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe some of you did reference this, but I just really believe the Lord wants to speak something that's going to bring some freedom to many of you this morning. Jesus is on his way to do ministry. In Luke ten thirty eight. it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41 reads, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset by many things, but few things are needed. Or, Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, when you read this passage, I hope you're like me and you can recognize that, you know, this is really cute and we understand the point, but still, we're all a lot more like Martha. I mean, I, Martha gets stuff done. Martha's the one that's going out and getting Christmas gifts. Martha's the one that's prepping for Christmas dinner. Martha's the one that is driving really fast on the road so that she can get there in time. Martha, I don't know if you're going to hire somebody, if you're, if you're a business owner here, and you're going to hire, you got Martha's resume in front of you, and you got Mary's resume in front of you, who are you going to go with? Martha. Martha gets things done. we got to admit, we really like Martha. And so in this moment... I want you to understand is that, G, that Jesus is coming into this town and Martha extends an invitation. Martha extends an invitation to Jesus to come into her home. Now, what that would have meant in that culture was that 
it was actually common for rabbis to come into homes, and it wasn't just going to be a closed little party just for Martha and Mary. At some point when the preparations were ready, when Martha was ready for others to come, other guests to come, others would come and hear from the rabbi. Now, Martha, let's, let's put it in our context today. So Christmas is going to happen in a few moments. It's still December 24th, okay? Martha's getting ready for Christmas. But Mary is at the feet of Christ. And I don't know about you, but if you, if you recognize the rest of Scripture, what happens when people have one-on-one time with Jesus, um, kind of like Zacchaeus, Jesus, Jesus comes into his house and has dinner. He has life-changing moments with him. He speaks to the, like when he speaks to the woman at the well, he tells her everything about who she was. He reminds them of their identity, just like he did to Peter when he said, Peter, I know you're going to fail me time and time again, but you're still commissioned, and I'm still calling you to go feed my sheep. When we're, when we're alone with Christ, when we learn how to have that one-on-one time, the Lord reminds us of who we are, reminds us of really what is most important in our life. And so it's not December 25th yet, but Mary's having Christmas right now. And Martha's really annoyed about it because it's not time yet. We still got all these things we got to do. We still just hurry, hurry up and help me finish. And then we can create this special moment that we created ourselves so that then we can, it can really be special. And that's exactly what we always do with our life. It's always about the next moment, the next moment. Once I get this done, then I can have this thing. Once I get this done, then I can have this thing. And I believe the Lord would say to us today, I never placed any of these demands on you. You did. The world around you. Being, everybody else does it, and we can, so that's why we do it this way. So Martha's have, Mary's having a moment with Jesus, and what Martha says, she says, Jesus, tell her to come help me. She tries to manipulate the situation. And this is really interesting because actually what happens, and if you can put that next text up there, uh, Nick, in, in Luke, um, or excuse me, John 11. This is after Lazarus had died in John 11, 20 through 21. Jesus was told that Lazarus was getting sick. And you've got to believe the way the language was. I believe it, uh, he got word through Martha that Lazarus was, was getting really, really sick. And then he shows up on the scene after Lazarus had died. And it said, when Martha heard that Jesus was, was coming, she went out to meet him. And I don't know about you, but in my head, I envisioned Martha sitting there like with her hand on her hip, you know. Like, if only you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then they, they continue this dialogue, and, and Jesus tells her that he is the resurrection of life. And then Martha begins to say, Martha begins to say, I understand that one day all the resurrection will come. And here's what's happening. In this moment, Martha is still trying to control the situation. And she still has an expectation of who Jesus is and what he is going to do. But hear me for a second. Martha wanted a powerful God that she could control. 
She wanted a powerful God that would work within her constraints and do everything on her terms. And what Jesus is saying to Martha is that, Martha, I'm about to blow your expectations of me. I'm not here on your terms. I'm not here on your timing. I'm not here to do your will. And when you begin to understand the truth that you are here to do mine, you will have peace. Martha couldn't get that until she saw Lazarus resurrected. And see, today, I believe that the Lord, we're standing in this room, even coming out of this text, he would say to a lot of us today in all of the things that we've consumed our life with, that right now as you come into this church, you're sitting here with these pressures. And I know uh, maybe it seems like the context I'm I'm talking about has a lot to do with your to-do lists and all these things that you have to do. But there's also some baggage that we bring in from relationships and some other things that, that we still continue to, 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 to carry with us, that we still weigh on, and we still place right in front of our lives. But I believe if the Lord was here, I believe this with my whole heart, with all of this buzz that we're feeling, that buzz of this next thing to do, this next thing to think about, you know what he would say to us? He would say, you know what? You don't have to do any of those things. You don't have to do those things. Those are the expectations that you placed on yourself. Hear me. You don't have to work a job. You don't have, um, you don't, you don't have to make a big meal for your kids. You don't have to pay all of your bills. You don't have to live in a house the size that you think you need to live in. You don't have to clean it a certain way. You don't have to make all of these people happy that you think that you're supposed to. But if you can take a step back and recognize that I placed you here on this earth to do my will, there's a burden that can be lifted off of your shoulders. And then you know what can happen? You can realize that there's a lot of things in your life that you get to do. I have been given gifts. I've been placed in a country where there's resources. I get to work a job. I get to provide for my family. I get to do some things in my life for the glory of the Lord. I get to reach out to people. And I'm not going to be able to please all of them, but I get to love people because that is what the Lord placed me here on this earth to do. Some of y'all got to receive this peace today. We got to stop. You're some of Martha's still sitting right now in the sanctuary. I can see them all around. They're still getting fidgety. Oh, hurry up. I hope he just finishes up. We're almost done. I got stuff I got to do. One day, you're going to have some peace when you realize that no, you don't have to do all these things, but you do need to embrace the moment that you have been given to serve the Lord. The reason that you are created for is to live for his will. Now, I'm going to ask our deacons to come at this time and, and quiet and softly. Nick, you can begin to play uh, that music in the background. You know, the Lord would say to us, all of the things that we have that thousands and thousands of years no one had ever had before. You get to have electricity today. You get to have running water today. 
You get to have the ability to get yourself from point A to point B in five minutes in an automobile. You get to have the ability to communicate with anyone you want in two seconds. It's your choice. They can be all these things that you have to do or they can be the things that you have chosen and realize you get to do for the glory of the Lord. Now, as Jesus did with Mary in that moment, Martha wanted to eliminate, Martha kind of wanted to manipulate the situation. I want you to understand something. What Martha was doing wasn't wrong. Martha was doing a lot of work, and there's this paradigm we can get really confused that worship is good and work is bad, and that's not really what this text is at all saying. Martha wanted to manipulate Mary out of that situation of intimacy with the Lord because she felt that her agenda, what she was wanting to accomplish, was more important than his. See, we can work really hard and be doing it for the right reasons. And when we begin to do things for the right reasons, for his will, we receive peace. And that anxiety buzz that you always have on your shoulder, I promise you, when we're about him, that can begin to go away. But we have to recognize all these different ways that we can compete. So when Mary and Jesus were together, and bring that down just a little bit, Nick. When Mary and Jesus were together, I, I, I believe that Jesus was doing what he did all throughout Scripture, as I shared with, with, with Nicodemus, with, excuse me, with Zacchaeus, and with Peter, and with the woman at the well. He's reminding them of who they are. There are not very many things that Jesus told us to do, but one of them that he did tell us to do was to do this in remembrance of me. He says this to them at the Last Supper because it's a reminder that you're going to need those moments in this busy world and all these things that are going to weigh you in. You're going to need to be reminded of who you are. And that's exactly what we're doing as we have our last full Sunday morning service together before Christmas is we're going to partake of communion together and be reminded of who we are. So at this time, I want to encourage all of you to bow your heads as we prepare for communion in just a few moments. Time when we, as the song sings, we will worship, we will adore you. We will be reminded for just a few moments of who we are. There are a lot of expectations that we have placed on ourselves. There's a lot of expectations that the world has placed on us. And the Lord, you say to us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You don't have to do any of these things, but you do get to serve me if you choose to. Lord, help us to receive this peace that is being distributed. We can work for favor. We can, we can try to earn your favor, but your, your, your spirit will constantly be saying, as it said over 2,000 years ago, peace is being distributed and peace must be received. The longer you fight for it, the harder it will be to receive. Today, May we be reminded of who we are. May we receive the will of God into our lives. And as we come to the table, be reminded this is what we are here for. To glorify you with our lives. And let the world know that the Christ, the Son that was born over thousands of years ago, is living and alive and present with us today. As the song we sang just a few moments ago read... Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fall, the right prevail. With peace on earth, 
goodwill to men. Lord, today, we want to be people that are about you. So we come to your table and remember who we were created to be. In Jesus' name, amen.